Welcome to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. What do you think of the new intro? I like it. Yeah. I was. Gonna, I just wondered if you were going to just like breeze on past and like it wasn't a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to clarify for people listening uh-huh. that the opening sound is drinks being poured and toasted. It's not. I didn't accidentally like record myself peeing before the music started and then chop it into the pot. Well, I yeah. hope so. Yeah. The accident involved in that is. It'd be a lot. Very skilled. Yeah. But just to clarify, <laughs> that's what yeah, it is. Yeah. So uh, before we jump into our conversation today, mm-hmm. I got an opening question. All so right. after 25 years, we can get mm-hmm. to know one, one another a little bit more. I like more. it. Okay. I like it. Here's the question. Yep. What was, this is from the box of questions that are uh, do-it-yourself therapy. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. that's a thing. Oh, geez. Uh, what was your biggest nighttime fear as a Oof. kid? I. It's a dark one. Yeah. I think I was, I was. Largely allowed to watch whatever I wanted, with mm-hmm. the exception of like very specific things. I couldn't do like Beavis and Butthead. I couldn't do South Park. I couldn't do Ren and Stimpy. So there were a few. Uh, the Simpsons were really borderline. But outside of that, I'm kind of shocked you were allowed to watch The Simpsons, though. I for sure uh, well, was not. No, I couldn't I mean, watch Smurfs. We went through a whole thing. I think thing. if my parents heard it, I had to turn it off. Yeah. Like if I was in the basement and they yeah. didn't. You know, then it was okay. Yeah, it just wasn't really definitively communicated, so Mm -hmm. I didn't know. But as a result, like just watching TV shows and this and that, I had an awareness of a lot of names of bad people Mm -hmm. uh, as far as like the type of them. Mm -hmm. And so I had this like very ritual, like I was casting a spell sort of prayer Mm -hmm. that I prayed for. I would guess four or five years every single night. And if I forgot, I'd like wake up panicked and do it and then think that I had ruined something. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I what like, was the prayer every night? I asked God, God, uh, please protect me from murderers and mass murderers and serial killers and rapists and robbers. I, I like that it's one time murderers and the mass murderers, <laughs> just all the kinds of, In were case, you watching like Dateline and stuff or was maybe, this I, I don't know. I, honestly, I don't have any like vivid memories of like, specific people or like mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know freddy krueger or something like that i was worried about but it was just i just knew the the all those names and and don't you love how i ended with robbers mm-hmm. i was real concerned about everything and robbers and robbers <laughs> i had this, I didn't want them to take my stuff i had a reoccurring dream as a kid when uh, my parents first got married that I was, I had walked into the kitchen and I, our garbage can was underneath the sink. Mm -hmm. So I had opened the cabinet to get to the garbage can and a hand grabbed me and pulled me underneath the sink. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that's, a bad one. That's like some it stuff. One of my uncles told Uh me about, uh, like I'm going to be personally responsible for the world, uh, like disintegrating due to the amount of times I flushed the toilet because I had an uncle tell me that, you know, a snake can crawl in there That's true. and while it's in there. Well, I, it happened like a time you should be in like a real weird country. I, I lived in a genuine fear of that when we lived in North Carolina because there toilet? were so many snakes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I will say I flushed 
many, many times before I used the toilet for many, many years. Hmm. So you're the reason there's global warming? That's what, Yeah, see, that's yeah. a better way to say what I said. I was responsible <laughs> for the earth disintegrating. I, I don't really know what that uh, means. I, don't, I didn't know that's a thing, but <laughs> now, it, now it will now be. Now it is. All right, uh. so we've been talking about the vital few. Mm-hmm which is this document that we wrote a few years ago. Um, we uh, uh, spent a few months uh, working on this project. We really do believe that it takes a vital few behaviors to create a, a faithful and fruitful church. Mm-hmm. And so we created this document. Is there six things on it? We have six or seven. Seven, I think. I it think. was six, yeah. now it's seven because yeah. we wrote the last one. And so uh, we are talking about the importance of focusing our intention on uh, a few vital things in each of our churches. And Mm -hmm. then after that follow-up of that first episode, we're talking about each one of ours. So last week we talked about life-changing worship services. So if you've missed any of those conversations, at very least, I'd recommend going back to the intro one. Mm -hmm. It's just called The Vital Few. I think it was episode 50. Um, And you can find that, uh, but that'll help lay the groundwork for what we're talking about today and why. So this week, we're going to talk about the second of our vital few, Mm -hmm. uh, which we uh, wrote this way. It's called Creating Catalysts for Connection. Mm -hmm. And it reads like this. Connection is critical to the mission of making disciples. Since it cannot be forced, manufactured, or programmed, we create environments to cultivate genuine connection. Mm. Okay? Yep. I was thinking as I was reading this today, I might experiment with changing the language a little bit on that last sentence to, uh, we create environments to cultivate formative friendship. Yeah, I like it. Because that's more specific language to where we are now. But again, we've talked about the heart of these things don't really change as language is updated. Sometimes we update the language. Yeah, for sure. And so we we don't talk about genuine connection as much Mm -hmm. at Ridgeline. We talk about formative friendship, right? Which for us is a very specific kind of friendship that is committed to one another's formation in Christ. Yeah. Cause the reality is you can genuinely connect with someone like on your plane flight, but that's not what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. So just, just to say it again, connection is critical to the mission of making disciples since it cannot be forced, manufactured, or programmed, we create environments to cultivate what we would call formative friendship. I like it. So let's, let's, we're going to break down each one of these. And Mm -hmm. so let's just start at the top. Connection is critical to the mission of making disciples. Yeah. I think I would start here by saying there is a type of pastor and ministry leader that is, uh, that is, has a very high view of scripture, Mm -hmm. a very high view of things like preaching Mm -hmm. and prayer and things that um, look, sound, and feel overtly quote-unquote spiritual. Yeah. And and, and so puts a lot of time, effort, and energy into those things, Mm -hmm. but not only um, ignores and maybe diminishes the value of things like uh, assimilation and connection uh, to a local church, but also sort of demonizes it. Is like, well, that stuff doesn't matter. It's secondary. Yeah. And our thing has always been that that stuff does matter just as much because you can't make disciples of people who are not connected to your church. Sure. Because you can espouse God's word very faithfully. And if people stopped coming because they didn't They're feel not hearing connected, it. it doesn't matter how faithful. Totally. Yeah. So in Matthew 28, Jesus gives his great commission that 
everyone listening is probably familiar with. Jesus said, go into all of the world and make disciples. That's the mission. Mm-hmm. And then he, he gives the two aspects of it, sort of the left and the right hand. Uh, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which means that people um, outside of faith should be coming to faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. and then teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded, mm-hmm. which is uh, formation, teaching God's word, teaching people what it looks like to live within the way of Jesus. And so both of those things, if when they're taking place, disciples are being made. And yep. you just simply cannot do that sure. with people who aren't connected. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's where, uh, you know, we'll talk about this at different points in the podcast, but that's where that, that assimilation piece is just so critical. Cause as we've talked about, you know, I think I actually, um, have said to people and still feel this way that it's probably the single most important step in discipleship yep. because I don't care what you have to tell me. If you can't get a hold of me, right. it doesn't matter. No. Uh, then you just stand outside and pray that the Lord causes me to pass by while you're standing there. Yeah. I mean, that's the best hope that you've got in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why um, those catalysts are just such mm-hmm. a such an important thing. We've used it twice in this conversation. It's not mm-hmm. language that we typically use. How do you feel about the word assimilation? I don't love it. I mean, for a long time, I did it or I used it pretty Mm -hmm. aggressively, but someone, I can't remember who, uh, at Redemption, I don't, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter, but someone said it like reminded them of the Borg. Yeah, it was me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the Borg, that was their whole thing. They assimilated people into the Borg. Yeah. And it's a, it it is just kind of a, it's a weird word. So we use the word connection. Mm -hmm. So I'll try not to use it again in this. Okay. But yeah, you just, I, I just think the more that we can, understand this as a critical aspect of discipleship, the more I think attention and effort and energy we will put into it. Yeah. So we, we put an immense amount of time into our connection process, yep. and, but this hasn't always been the case. Like when mm-hmm. we started redemption, like <laughs> what, what were we doing for connection when we started redemption? I mean, well, uh, as far as like, a f- like formally getting people connected to the church, yeah, so someone comes for the first oh. time when we first well, started. What did we do? Up to 100, we didn't even ask for people's information. Yeah. I didn't really know that that's what happens when you plant a church when you're 28. I don't know. I yeah. just like, I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, I would, if you gave it to me, you know, like I'd like open my flip phone and, mm-hmm. you know, type it in with T9 word, you know, yeah. but uh, outside of that. What year do you think we planted a church? 2000. <laughs> I didn't have an iPhone when we planted. You didn't? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I, bought, I got one when I... Because remember, Starbucks gave me a HTC Ozone. Where was that in my brain? Oh, man. It was, I don't even know what that is. It was like a is it like a BlackBerry? Uh, it was a knockoff of like a Palm Pilot phone. Oh, yeah. But it didn't even send email because I didn't spring for the data package. So all it had was my <laughs> calendar, but not synced. So I had to <laughs> like manually add it. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, so we didn't. We just didn't really have any. No, we weren't collecting information, so we had no way to even follow up with people. Yeah, I mean, what initially. we to, I guess what we told people, we used constant contact back then, and we told people, if you're interested in staying connected to our church, go to our website and sign up for our newsletter. Mm. So the onus was very much on new people, and somehow we grew to a hundred people. Yeah, with no information. So then we went to a conference. Yeah. and you sat through a session mm-hmm. on what they called a assimilation. Yep. And then they gave basically what their process was. Mm-hmm. And then we spent 
weeks, probably a couple of months. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we're, just, we're never stopped doing it. Yeah. But basically taking that and creating our own process out of it. Yeah, because their approach was really magoo. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great, but, but you know, the whole adage of eat the fish and spit out the bones. Mm-hmm. I think what we did was we took... We took the the body that they gave us and stripped it down to just the bones mm-hmm. and then rebuilt it back up in a yeah. way that we felt like was more our approach, but still some very common sort of themes or tent poles. And I think mm-hmm. even through my XP as I coach guys on it, it still comes back to that same like, so here's some really important core themes mm-hmm. and then how you go about it, I don't care. Yeah. I, I mean... Usually people ask, well, what do you think is best? And my answer is always, well, well we, we do. do at Ridgeline. Right. Because <laughs> I get to decide here. Yeah. I don't get to decide for you. But but still making sure that there are some some uh, really significant steps that are taking place. So what would you, when you think about our system mm-hmm. without, well, I mean, we could spend a very long time talking yeah. about this. But when you think about Hours. the top, you know, three or four bullet points yeah. that make up our connection process, what would you say are those sort of tentpole parts that are yeah. the most critical? Uh, so the very first thing, and I think I've finally landed on being really passionate about its location, but both w- the content of the announcements and the location of them in the service. Mm-hmm. So the content being, we do not announce Susie's small group was canceled because mm-hmm. that's only for six people that go and mm-hmm. Susie can text them on her own or whatever. Uh, our announcements are for new people. As a matter of fact, those of you who listen, who've come to Ridgeline or before that redemption, Mm -hmm. you could probably quote the announcements. Oddly enough, I was not at church on Sunday and you with very little notice, uh, asked a girl to come up and give the announcements and she was able to do it so well, one, because she's talented, mm-hmm. and two, because she just sat and listened to me do it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I think ensuring that the content is about getting new people connected to your church. Mm-hmm. And then second, and I think this is such an important piece, is having them at the end of the service. Uh, not like once it's d- dismissed or not whatever. Like mm-hmm. people, are I totally pretty- agree with you. Just so you know, I am moving the announcements to before my message this weekend. Just so you know, we never do that, but we're going to do that this weekend. Hmm. I forgot to tell you, but now you know. Continue. No, I don't like that. Yeah, I know. I that's okay. To... It'll be fine. <laughs> I agree with you. It is the best place mm-hmm. for him. We have seen, and we have actually seen data to support that, that yeah, we get absolutely. more info cards, well, more prayer deal. requests. I was even talking to a church this week, uh, a newer church that we're supporting. I said, so when do you do the announcements? And I said, it's the very first thing we do. And I said, mm. here's the problem. No one has any opinion yet. I mean, people have got the vibe of your church maybe from our people welcoming, do I think I might come back? But they don't know about your worship. They don't know about your main preaching pastor. They don't know about any of that. And, and I so, would argue that, at, I mean, at least for us, maybe that this one church is like a unicorn. 25 mm-hmm. to 50% of the people who will be in the service at the end are not there in the beginning because right. they're late to yeah, church. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that, but I think really allowing people to have a whole experience, I think a lot of times in what I'm going to talk about next, mm-hmm. like info card type thing or something, there's like a call to response mm-hmm. or there's like a checkbox. Mm-hmm. I gave my life to Jesus today. Mm-hmm. Anytime people uh, check that before the, the service, mm-hmm. you're like, how? I, I will just say, friendly? Our, does, our, does our info card still have a button for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have found by and large... That's a useless problem. Or I want to talk to someone about Jesus yeah, is what it says. that's better because, yeah. it, like, we had the other oh, one. Oh, gosh. And almost, I mean, there was always one person that they clicked it every week. Yep. And even though it said, I gave my life to Christ for the first time. Yep. They did that for the first time every mm-hmm. Sunday. 
And then we would see people that like before the service had clicked it. Yeah. You're like, well, I mean, that's, I guess that's good. How did that happen? <laughs> we were just so friendly welcoming yeah. you in that you just got saved. That'd right. be amazing. That's a story. But So, so at, at having your announcements yeah. uh, exist to help new people take their next steps and have them at the end of the service. Yep. That's so number that's one. That's number one. Uh, number two, and uh, like just because I'm going in order, it should be number one. But every single week, we ask everyone to fill out uh, info card. Not just new people, a, no. every person in yeah. the service. And that was that was one of the things I took from that conference. I remember even thinking, what a dumb thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. And we went from having two to three to four prayer requests. I mean, the church, uh, a church I was talking to recently, they've got about 300 people on, on Sunday mornings. And based on how they do it right now, they get like three to four prayer requests on a weekly basis. Hmm. Um, we don't have anywhere near that number of people mm-hmm. and we get 20, 30, 40. It really depends on the week, but mm-hmm. we get a lot. And, and I've even, uh, there's a pastor I know who's like measured it and, and the increase in the growth. And I mean, we're talking double, triple, quadruple, five times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really unbelievable the number of prayer requests that you get from your people by asking everyone to fill it out. And it's kind of like twofold. So one of the things that new people are really weary or wary of Mm -hmm. in a church is standing out as new. Yeah. So if you ask only the new people, pull out your card and fill it out. It's like, for example, I was visiting this church in Denver and I walked in and uh, they asked me if I had been there before. And I said, no. And they immediately handed me a loaf of banana bread, which was by far the weirdest thing. That's yeah. ever happened to be at a church. I've seen but some newcomer gifts. That one is, it, and it was just handed. Wonder to how me, that's going but, in COVID. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and it had like a story as far as who baked it and yeah. all of that. But I didn't know any of that because I was new. Yep. Um, and then I was like, they had must have told people if you see someone with b- b- banana bread, attack, attack. Mm-hmm. I literally like barely got ten feet in. I threw the banana bread away because not. I'm hey, I'm a lover of banana bread. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be attacked. Yeah. And so I think. Uh, new people want to sort of blend in. Yeah, the anonymity and is a exactly. Gift. Yeah. And so, if everyone is <laughs> filling out the card, uh, they're going to fill out the card too. And I think it just serves as good motivation. Like, all right, I guess it's card time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to just sit here. Um, and we have seen a huge increase in the number of cards we get the very first week, mm-hmm. um, and then also a number of prayer requests. And so, I think those two pieces are so significant. Yeah, uh, you said four, right? Nah, three. Okay. So you've given two. The first one yep. is in general is about announcements or for new people to yep. help them take their next steps. Number two would be the info card. What do you think the third piece is? Yeah, I think as some personal way to follow up. Mm-hmm. I think that that is really significant. For years, we've gotten compliments about just that uh, basic follow up. Uh, the way that we prefer to do it is through a handwritten card mm-hmm. uh, that just, uh, I think um, I can. I guarantee you I can tell you the last handwritten card I got in the mail. Mm -hmm. People really appreciate that. You get so few. Mail is typically for bills and junk. Yeah. And so to receive something like that is nice. And that's where I think I'm open-handed. You know, definitely don't, like, don't send an auto email and Mm -hmm. think that you followed up. I mean, you sign up for any new thing in the world and you get an auto email. So people understand no human actually Mm -hmm. sent that out. It was a computer. Um, I also don't love the automated text message thing. Something that feels personal as a thank you for Mm -hmm. visiting is really crucial. By and large right now, and this is really ebbed and flowed, like the the way that we've gone about it has ebbed and flowed right now. 
I because usually the new follow up stuff comes from me, mm-hmm. and by and large, right now I've been texting people and asking them if they want to get coffee and yeah. get together, which we talk about in our announcements. We have meet up with Pastor yeah. Ryan, but, but you're I, doing that apart from even them initiating. Yes. Yeah. Got yeah. Because why not? Because people can, and I do it over text message, so it's sure. super. But it's non invasive. But it's not from my from, phone. Yeah. You know, one eight hundred ridge yeah. line. Yeah, and some pastors probably have a heart attack just thinking about mm-hmm. the idea of texting from their phone. But I, yeah. I just have yet to have someone like take advantage of that. Or right. By and large, it's been totally fine. Yeah, and you can just like block people. Yeah, <laughs> it's very, it's very easy. So we obviously believe that connection's critical, and we think it's critical because we can't make disciples of people who aren't connected. So that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And a little bit about how we do it. If people want more information about that, I mean, that's a great, again, you always say not to make it a, a commercial for MyXP, but yeah. this is something that you really do specialize in with MyXP. Mm-hmm. And if someone's in a position where they need help, MyXP.church, you can uh, schedule a connect and learn more about that. And we'll probably do some sort of series at some point, yeah. just on all of it, because you're guest service team is important there's so much of it that's important yeah but those three things are the most important absolutely all right so the second part of this is that genuine connection or what we call formative friendship we really deeply believe that it can't be forced manufactured or programmed and uh i think that is probably the most maybe controversial part Mm -hmm. of this because i i think that most churches do believe that it can be programmed and really what you can program is you can you can program a program. You can you can program a small group, but sure. you cannot. What you our point is, you cannot guarantee within nope. that small group, regardless of how you do it, mm-hmm. the size of it, any of that stuff. You just can't guarantee that that biblical community, formative friendship, is taking place within it. No, and so. I think it's really important to be honest about that because that does then inform the last piece that we'll yeah. talk about in just a second. But we that's just something that we're really for us we're pretty just direct about. Like we yeah. don't we don't think we can force this, so mm-hmm. we're not going to try to force it. Nope. What 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 would you contribute to that? <laughs> Based on the fact that I know that this is something you really <laughs> deeply believe in. Yeah, I mean um I hate small groups. That's that's really yeah. that's really the big idea. And and I hate what is it about traditional when you I'm say being small forced, group. manufactured, and programmed into relationship with people. Yeah. And I am always so as a single person mm-hmm. um for a long time in the church, obviously I was a younger single. Oh geez. Still not so dating, huh? single. No. Oh, okay. uh, uh, for the long time in church, I was younger and single. Now mm-hmm. I'm older and single. I, there was no medium. Mm-hmm. I just went from younger to older one day. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, but every small group I've ever been in has been horribly awkward. Yeah. I mean, it's this hodgepodge of different people with different interests and different lifespans and this and that. And I have nothing in common with them. It's just, I mean, horrible. I think yeah. it doesn't matter the church type. It doesn't matter the method, sermon base, mm-hmm. book studies, this and that. And so when I've had the ability to have um, say as to mm-hmm. whether or not I'd be in a small group, I don't be in one. <laughs> and I know that you feel similarly mm-hmm. about small groups. And so therefore our conviction as to why we don't have programmed small groups at Ridgeline mm-hmm. is that we refuse to ask our people to be a part of something we won't go right. to. And I would say like for me, I think what I don't like is – is, is knowing that the notion behind this program is that it's trying to force me in to formative sure. friendship. Because I do 
especially now that we're post COVID through the summer, I'm ho- hosting a monthly book club Yeah, where we get together. It feels like a small group because yep. 12 of us get together. We've read a book and then we're going to talk about the book. Yep. I just had one this week. It was excellent. I love it because it doesn't have the, like, I'm not trying to force these people into formative friendship. Right. I'm just trying to talk about a book and sure. I benefit from it. I love it and I enjoy it. But I think for me, it has to do with knowing like, Oh, these have to become my best friends. And, and then in most churches, like they're built in this model where then you try to replicate in like a year. So yep. it's like, I got to go super deep with these people inside of the next 12 months, because mm-hmm. then we're going to blow this up and start a, a whole nother. Yeah. I just hate the way that feels. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I just think that for me, I'm also like deeply introverted mm-hmm. and it's the most horrific size possible because I don't find it to be small enough to actually have what I refer to as a conversation that matters. Mm-hmm. So even, even in the mingle time, people can overhear you this and that. And so yep. you're not going to actually go very deep with the people in your small right. group, I believe. Yeah. Um, so that's one side. Then the other side is also too small to kind of hide Um, and so as a result, you're just sort of forced to have small talk for two hours. And I, I, I hope, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I want to know, is there a morbid fear of small talk and Mm -hmm. what is it called? Yeah. Zach's probably going to text me. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Still single though, huh? (laughs) You said that. And I was just thinking it would be so funny if I signed Tyler up for like a Tinder profile. <laughs> wow. Some kind of dating app. I don't know that, that that's what that is though. <laughs> that one might be the funniest though. <laughs> yeah. You just getting some weird emails and you're not sure where they're mm-hmm. coming from or why. Yeah. I'm All right. good. I'm good. If anyone out there wants to sign Tyler yeah. up for dating Please profiles. Do. <laughs> what if you just got uh, inundated with. Not okay. All right. So we don't believe it can be forced, yeah. manufactured or programmed. So. Our response to that is what we do try to do is create environments that do cultivate what we call formative friendship. Mm -hmm. And so we're not anti programs that are meant to help. Like people still have to, because I would say in the same way that we don't believe that it should be on people when they like, we have an info card because we want to give people a tool to help them take the step to get connected. Totally. In the same way, we want to create these environments where people can take the step that we hope and pray will eventually lead to formative friendships. Yep. And so we have a myriad of different ways that that looks, but the Mm -hmm. the two primary places in which that happens in general are meetups and then squads. Yep. So talk a little bit about meetups because by and large, those are really your brainchild. Yeah. I mean, they've been something that we have been talking about since the very first church Mm -hmm. and very early on in the very first church of just this idea. uh, I mean, I suppose some people might call them affinity groups, but they're not even that. They're an opportunity to get to know other people who go to your church in a very low pressure environment doing something that you've chosen to participate in that you might actually like to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have meetups all over, all over, like uh, as far as just kind of the types that they are. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, I'm going to get ready uh, as soon as I kind of am back for the summer. I'm going to uh, start doing my movie meetup. Mm-hmm. Movies are coming out again. I'm excited mm-hmm. to do that. And I think there's so many people out there that would hear that and say, wait, going to the movies is some sort of like discipleship 
uh, mm-hmm. formative friendship thing? And the answer is absolutely, mm-hmm. because I have seen so many of the people in our church today take their first step to connection mm-hmm. by just ch- showing up to that. Mm-hmm. And there's like a little chatting beforehand and mm-hmm. a little chatting afterwards, and that's it. Because mm-hmm. you don't talk during the movie. It's right. not like we do the like theology breakdown after we just right. like leave and 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 um, but it's not it's not meant to be that it's right. meant to be a first step right exactly and it's meant to be something where um, I'm bored tonight mm-hmm. and I want to have some people that I know have some common thoughts about life that I do um, and spend some time with them tonight yep and that's really all it's supposed to be and it serves great as that and we've had people do uh, you do a beer and book club we've had people do Bible studies mm-hmm. we've had people uh, do you know kind of more regular things we had this um, a uh, group of people in our church that did fancy dinner night. And so there were six of them that went to like nice restaurants on Friday nights mm-hmm. and uh, just all of these different types of things that again, were building these friendships. And mm-hmm. then what I loved was I would see these people who had met at movie night or who had met at top golf mm-hmm. and on something like Instagram, mm-hmm. they would like be hanging out outside of that. Right. And they would uh, be going fishing together. And mm-hmm. they would all of these types of things that apart from an opportunity to just chill and mm-hmm. hang out, I don't think that would happen. Yeah. And the thing I really like about it is that because of the diversity of expressions that yep. Meetup takes, it gives everyone the freedom to jump in where they're at. Yep. Totally. Whereas, you know, we have been a part of churches in the past that used a small group model that it was going to be sermon or book based. Yep. And so basically it was going to break into three parts. There was going to be a third hangout time, a third that was like talking about the message or uh, a book that they were working through. And then a third that was going to be like, now we're going to confess sin to one another. Yeah. That is... Um, super intense. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't get into it right now, but was having a conversation with a friend this morning that's also experienced that. And I still think it has some significant discipleship uh, deficiencies within mm-hmm. it that we think like formation is only about small talk, yep. talking about the Bible and confessing sin. Yep. That's it. I would argue there's a lot more that goes into it that is equally significant to mm-hmm. all three of those things. Yeah, And so um, we... Not everyone's ready for that either. Like some people, it is a huge, like I just, I literally just met with a young woman in our church this week who has been through a lot in her family Mm -hmm. in the last uh, couple of months and really throughout her entire life. It was a massive undertaking for her to get out of bed on Sunday. She made it to the parking lot at church, could not get herself to come in. And she sat in the parking lot and she watched the live stream on Facebook. Hmm. And that's what she could do. Yep. And so the idea that we're going to take that woman and we're going to tell her, um, we're going to have you come meet with a 12 randos. And mm-hmm. by the end, you're going to confess sin to all the women in the, like, that's just, it's damn near spiritual abuse. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Absolutely. Like it is, it is just, it does not take into account the complexity of humanity. Right. It's that there is one type of person, probably mm-hmm. that's wired similar to the pastor, yep. that is very comfortable in that, and that just does not fit everybody. Right. And so what I love about meetups is that we are, and, and it's not, like, we're, we constantly have to be on people to, like, because we don't create the meetups. Right. Like, Anyone I create can, my meetups, yeah. but I don't, we don't create all the meetups. Anyone can host them to do Anyone anything. can do it. And it is work to stay on people like, hey... 
our meetup schedule is getting low. Yep. Everyone come totally. up with some ideas and do some stuff. It's been hard to get it kickstarted yeah. after COVID. You know, post-pandemic, you'd think <laughs> yeah. so. We've been told to be apart for over a year, and yep. now we're saying be together. Yep. So that's an adjustment. And it just, you know, like I get a totally different type of person by and large. Not, not, they're not, they're in a different place. They're interested in something different that come to my book club than that come to the movie night. Absolutely. And it's awesome. Because yeah. if we only did one or the other, or we only did the traditional small group, we're going to miss a ton of these people. And so sure. that's what I like is it gives people the freedom to jump in where they are. And I think that that is more hospitable, biblically, mm-hmm. more hospitable than trying to force people into a singular program. Sure. And from an admin standpoint, because other people are arranging it and organizing it. And, you know, uh, we had people go to, or Lauren Daigle was coming to uh, Salt Lake City mm-hmm. and uh, a group of girls decided to go and they were going to go get a bunch of tickets and they handed like getting the money from people then pandemic happened it was canceled they handled giving everybody a refund i mean mm-hmm. i literally did nothing mm-hmm. as a matter of fact we have a volunteer in the church who's responsible for posting them onto our planning center platform and then even the people who are hosting them can like manage the event they can reach out to those people there's just a lot of really great uh, tools out there that does not give this a burden on the church admin staff. And I think the other thing that we always remind people who are hosting meetups is we're not going to tell anyone to go to your meetup. Mm-hmm. And so like, for example, we've had some that have done amazingly well. And we've had others for, we had one guy who wanted to teach people in the church how to change the oil in their car. Yeah, That one didn't go real well just mm-hmm. because I, I, and even my comment to him was, well, you can get that done for like 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. I don't want to know how to, it makes right. me dirty. Right. Uh, I didn't go and I'm not sure a lot of people did, yeah. but either way he had a passion for it. And yeah. I think a couple people did. Yeah. Or like uh, another meetup was like, uh, you know, went to a shooting range and, mm-hmm. and this guy was an ex soldier. And so he, you know, had some expertise to share and that's ty- like, there's just all those types of things that I love are happening mm-hmm. and I didn't do anything about it. I don't even always remember when a meetup's happening. Yeah. And so in addition to that, what we are trying to more and more, and this is something that we're still experimenting with and trying to figure out, mm-hmm. by and large, I, I believe, I know you really believe this as well, we think that the most important place in, or the most important environment, since mm-hmm. we've used that language, yeah. in which this real formative friendship happens is in what we call squads, yep. which by and large is going to be two or three people that yep. are in a squad and they're getting together ideally once a week for about an hour mm-hmm. to talk about what's actually going on in life. Yep. And thus far, the only direction that we've really given them, I use this prompt question in my own time sitting with God each day. And then when we get together as well, which is to talk about, like, I think about it in terms of like, what is causing me unrest this week? Yep. So what's causing me to be stressed, anxious, worried, fearful, where am I struggling? And these are the things that we talk about. Yep. So it's not meant to be a superficial small talk thing. It's meant to be a very intentional kind of conversation that is vulnerable and honest and open. And we have found that the combination of, and more and more, I think I'm going to do a series on this this fall, but more and more, I think what produces the maximum amount of transformation in people's lives is the combination of weekly worship service, sitting with God for yourself every Mm -hmm. single day and living in the open with people in something like a squad, a real true formative friendship. And if you remove one of those pieces either formation doesn't happen or it happens at a painfully slow rate because you're just like getting slow dripped. Yeah. 
and so so that's our that's our thing is we're really like our my prayer is I believe in meetups. I think they're essential. I love what they are. And my hope is still that they're an environment in which a relationship is built where two or three people go, hey, let's get together once a week and really talk about what's going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could care so little about anyone showing up to the movie. I'm yeah. single, as we've established several uh-huh. times. For now. And, you're about, you know, to, you're about to get some dates. Blow up. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, I, I actually prefer to go to the movies. I actually... Uh, Alone. To movies alone. Yeah. And I actually like to go to a matinee like during the day, during the week. So it's literally just me. Yeah. It's in fabulous. the theater. It's my favorite thing ever. And uh, so I don't need anyone to come to that. I don't I don't need people to, you know, go to the book clubs or anything like that. I, it has nothing to do with that. They are a catalyst for formative friendship. They mm-hmm. are the thing that helps us helps us get from here to there. That's right. I would love for everyone to show up to church and for us to say, uh, find the person of the same gender sitting next to you and now you're in a squad and you're besties for life. Yeah. She, that dog don't hunt. Yeah. I'm just here to tell you that. And so if it's going to matter, uh, but when we do it this way and we allow it to take time and we allow these, uh, you know, kind of, you know, I, I went to Top Golf and mm-hmm. man, I really enjoyed joking with that person and mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to There's a chemistry get to, yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Uh, that's that whole grade school, I would sit by you at the lunch table sort of a yep. thing. Um, I feel like, uh, that's what leads to the squad type relationship. Because apart from that, because again, uh, if all we cared about was people coming to the meetups, then all you care about is superficial relationships. And I genuinely have no category in my soul for mm-hmm. one of those. Totally. I, I understand that it takes time and, and sometimes trial and error. Sometimes you get to a point with someone where you're like, oh, we are different i'm telling yeah. you you want to know if you're compatible or not go on vacation together Oof. Oof. that's a that's a Man, rough choice i should make our opening question what's the worst trip you've ever taken with another person oh really yeah yeah but it would just be for you and it would fill the full 40 minutes of our podcast because <laughs> so you got some stories so to tell. Many. Uh. <laughs> all right any uh i think that pretty well covers that part yeah. that part so to come to come back to the top we 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 were put a lot of effort into creating these catalysts for connection, these yeah. environments in which formative friendship can grow. So we believe that. Back up real quick. You just moved my notes, and I'm not going to be able to quote this. Just to review, connection is critical to the mission of making disciples. That's where we started. We don't believe that it can be forced, manufactured, or programmed, so we create environments to cultivate formative friendship. So your environments might be different. Some of your convictions and philosophy around it might be different, but that's the thing that we'd submit to you. Um, I've had a couple more people reach out to me this week asking for the the Vital Few document. Yep. So again, if you want to be able to, to have this, we'll just send it to you. You can just email me, ryan at ridgeline.church, and I'd be happy uh, to send that to you. Any closing thoughts on connection? Are you good? No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, thanks to you for listening. We uh, we really appreciate it. If this is your first time with us and uh, you've never heard us talk about that, you can really help us in one of three ways. You can subscribe uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can leave a review where you listen, and then we would love to connect with you on social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Wasn't sure if it was going to happen. I got to wait for the ride downbeat, you know? Oh, my God.